0: Thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations with some of her favorite people who are talking about the issues that matter most to you. Overcoming Monday is a podcast designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. Now let's get started with an introduction to the episode.
1: Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. I'm so glad that you're here with me this week. This season is season five, and we're talking about um, real struggles for real women. And this morning, I have a couple of my friends in here because we're going to be talking about women prevailing in friendships. So I have um, Megan Hibbard and and also (laughs) Jess Brock. Hello. Yep. And they both are the reason that I know these two women specifically is through Clayton King Ministries. That's how we became connected. Um, Megan was a camper for a
2: few years, then a Long staff. Time, yeah. Yep. Then you C- did CDH. CDH, tried to do all of it. Yep. So now my husband's on staff mm-hmm. and he is Clayton's assistant and he handles the coaching network and all the trips and all things like that. So, yeah. yeah. And
1: he's involved in a lot more things than just the speaking, but plans a lot of things. He's the organizer behind a lot of he our is. ministry.
2: Yes, I love it. He's the organizer of our lives, too, so it's awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a, got a heart to be a helper, so I love that about Jordan. He's a sweet man. Yep. Yeah. And you guys have a... We
2: have a... Well, we have a dog. dog. Yes. So um, Barkley is our fur baby, I guess right now. Right. And he's huge and he's cute. 70 pounds and he's a half old English sheepdog and half poodle. So he looks like a teddy bear panda mm-hmm. is what I like to describe. <laughs> um, and then we are actually having a baby in March. Yeah. So we'll actually have a a real baby, so we're going from a family of two to a family of three. So mm-hmm. uh, we're pretty excited about that. So fun! Yeah. That is fun. I didn't know
1: if we were talking about the baby yet, so I was. <laughs> <laughs> I was really just introducing the dog and see where you went. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> yep, and then um, Jess, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, you're married to Justin, who is our executive director. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but- yeah, he um, is
0: executive director. We've been with the ministry for over 10 years now. And I'm a stay-at-home mom and I have two kids. Emery is five and she just started kindergarten. So that's a whole new world for us. The whole um, taxi mom thing, I think, is starting <laughs> juggling her to school. And then she does ballet and things like that. And then our youngest is Gray and he's three. And he started preschool for three days this week. So that's been really fun to have some freedom in the morning and uh, trying to figure out this new normal and mm-hmm. but really enjoying the season of our family together. So yeah, it's um, it's been really fun.
1: I've been enjoying it mm-hmm. thankful. And you've been involved with camp, Mm -hmm. Um, you've been a staff, and now one thing that I love that you do with our ministry is pour into the staff every summer, the female staff. That's one of my
0: favorite things ever is being there, I guess, female pastoral care Mm -hmm. for the summer, and I just love college-age students and being able to study scripture together um, and just caring for them as they pour into – campers so that they're mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally whole so that they can do their job
1: really well. Mm -hmm. And that's one reason why I thought it would be great for you to be in here because you've been kind of... In and out of a lot of the dynamics of these friendships that these girls have mm-hmm. been trying to help them manage all of yes. that. So that's a big job. Um, one that I don't know that I would do as well as you. So I respect you a lot. Uh, well, I think, it t- I think it's a good team. It's a good team of women. And
0: I find peace in knowing that I'm assuring them to Jesus and I don't have to fix it. So mm-hmm. I'm really thankful for that.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, I know one thing for me, friendships, um, specifically with female, well, it's not like I have a lot of male friendships, but when I was younger, I would say that I had more male friendships because I was kind of scared of girls.
3: Mm. I don't know if you guys have
1: ever felt like that. Um, but I think for me, I just had a few situations where, They did. My friendships with females didn't turn out very well. And so I kind of became if you want to I became gun shy, if that's how you want to phrase it. I don't know. Um, And so I withdrew a little bit and and I played sports um, on a boys soccer team in high school. So I kind of just had four guy pals. And then I had two best friends who were girls and then they left my school. And so for the rest of my high school year, I just kind of felt like um, some of the females that were around me were a little too drama for me. So <laughs> it I didn't want to say that, and I didn't want it to be like that, but I felt like it kind of played out that way. And then when I went to college, I started being able to develop deep friendships um, there. So started all over. So that's great. But um, I kind of wanted to look at friendships from a different perspective because I know that... When we were created, we were created to be image bearers to reflect who God is, but we are also created for a community and fellowship with one another. So if we were to all rewind back to the Garden of Eden, I think friendships would look a little different than maybe they do today because we wouldn't have to battle our sin nature and things like that. And so... Um, When we look in the Bible a lot of times in the Old Testament specifically, um, when the people didn't know what to do, they went to Moses and they're like, what does God want us to do when this happens? And so that's how the law was created. It was people not knowing how to live for God and how to live among one another. So Moses would go to God and God will give him um, laws for the people to live by. And when we look into the New Testament, it's the same type of thing because you have people who have become redeemed, people who are trying to live for Jesus and trying to do things his way. And so you may read a lot of things from Paul and Peter that are telling us and other people, of course, but Jesus and the <laughs> disciples, um, but telling us how to live with one another, um, with, with us all having sin inside, how do we relate with one another in a correct manner? And so in um, First Peter 5 Um, I was going to go ahead and read from the scripture. It says specifically, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willing." as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those who entrusted you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown or glory, of glory. Sorry. In that same way, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. All of you, clothe, your, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Obviously, um, Peter is writing this to the church who is suffering under persecution and he's telling the elders basically how to care for the people that are around them. And I think if we look at the church, the church is basically the people. It's not a building, it's not a structure. I remember when I heard that 20 years ago, it <laughs> blew my mind.
2: Yeah.
1: Because um, I always thought of the church as like the steep, the place where the, the steeple place, is. Yeah. yeah.
0: The holy place.
1: <laughs> right. But the church is us, we are the people. And so this letter specifically telling Paul saying, look, when you're taking care of the flock, when you're taking care of other people, here's some things that you should do. And I was thinking that when I want to, when I look at my friends, I want to see them as another person within the church. Mm -hmm. So if I were to place my, if I would take on this responsibility of say an elder, then I would want to love my, friends well, and what are some things that these scriptures um, tell us about how to love the church well. And specifically, it's talking about how to shepherd other people. Um, So some of the things that I realize is that it's telling us to be shepherds, um, be spiritual shepherds to one another, not out of reluctance, not because we're getting paid, (laughs) not because we feel like we have to, but out of willingness pouring in to each other, um, with a humble heart and just like God would shepherd us. So I think that that's important in friendships to see that friendships, I I used to view them as like, who are my fans that are going to love me and and do all these things for me. It was almost like a fan. I I wanted people to be my fans Mm -hmm. and like give me support and make me feel better about myself, you know? (laughs) yeah. But I think that if we look at Friendship, In a biblical perspective, I think it's more about being shepher- shepherds to one another, one of them being shepherds two protecting one another, standing beside one another, watching out and protecting um, each other from the devil and just basically mm-hmm. things of life, things that would destroy us. And then the third thing that I have seen in the scripture is that um, we sometimes have to lovingly correct one another. And that I get from the fact that in First Peter 9, it says that we need to help each other resist the devil and to stand firm against his lies. So lies are basically sin, things that come into our lives. And if we really love each other, we're going to help each other battle those things, which may mean sometimes we say hard things yeah. to each other. So I just wanted to talk about friendship from a different perspective of like, we're not finding fans. yeah. <laughs> right? Um, we're not just trying to create a group of people around us that are going to make us feel awesome about ourselves, but really friendships mean we're pouring deep into one another and building each other up. So I just wanted to see what are some practical ways you guys think that we can shepherd one another, just like the scripture says, be shepherds, be, um, not out of reluctance or compulsion, but how do we willingly, humbly shepherd other people or our friends and friendships. Do you guys have any ideas?
2: Yeah, I think one thing is how we interact with each other. So, you know, are we interacting with each other the same way that the world is interacting with each other? You know, if someone looks at our friendship, are they seeing it as um, two believers that are shepherding, that are walking the same direction, that are, you know, building each other up? I think the cool thing about, you know, the three things that you listed is, is sometimes, you know, in a friendship, I have to do it. And sometimes in a friendship, the other person has to do it. Um, And so in a friendship, it allows you kind of to both be equal and on that and both, hey, sometimes I need you to correct me. Sometimes I need to be corrected. Um, And so, you know, when someone's looking at your friendship, are they seeing it differently? Are we participating in gossip? Are we slandering each other? Are we doing all these things that, you know, the world says you should do in a friendship? Or, when people look at it, are they seeing, oh, those people are different. What's different? You know, oh, they're, you know, they're being shepherds. They're protecting each other. They're, you know, lovingly correcting each other. They're doing all of these things and it people see a difference in that, which I think is really, really cool. Mm-hmm.
0: I think um I definitely like agree with what you were saying, Megan, about especially about comparison. Um, competition, jealousy, the things that can just creep up in friendship and want to destroy them. And sometimes, um, I think we can let those things (laughs) destroy
3: us and
0: maybe not even call them out for what they are. It's like, we want to, um, sweep over our sin and just kind of sit in it. Yeah. Yeah. And say, maybe it's a prayer request or say that, (laughs) oh, it's really not my issue or, well, however, we want to like deflect our sin or not own it. And I think we have to own our sin to have healing. Um, and sometimes that confession is just between you and the Lord, and sometimes it's between you and your friend of saying, like, I'm sorry. And so I think one of the biggest things is forgiveness mm-hmm. and, like, believing the best in each other. And we're going to fail each other, and we're going to have moments in life that um, – We may be having a hard time believing a lie and that can change how we respond within our friendship. Um, Maybe we don't feel as close. Maybe we feel um, like our friend doesn't care as much as we care. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things that can happen internally. And so I think for me, one of the biggest things I've learned recently in my life is just we have to believe the best and we have to remember each other's character and then we have to come to each other if we have issues mm-hmm. and maybe it's just starting off like a bernie brown and say the story i'm telling myself is and then fill in the blank and mm-hmm. it breaks the ice but it brings the issue out and hopefully restoration happens and your friendship is good again and you feel like you're good in a good spot mm-hmm. and i think so much of that is um self-awareness and then obviously vulnerability and bringing those things out and remembering that friendship is worth fighting for Mm -hmm. like period it's worth fighting for um especially like good christian friendships because the lord is the lord of restoration and Mm -hmm. he's the lord of redemption and he there's always hope with him and as believers we're hopefully growing and becoming more like him And so I really believe he's for friendship and he, um, but I really believe the Lord has gifted us with friends um, because I think we're better together than we are by
1: ourselves. Mm -hmm. I had a, um, I just went, I don't want to be like a downer right here because it wasn't a a downer for me, but my, my, it was sad, but my grandma just died, Mm -hmm. but she was 95 and she lived a really good life. And when I was at her funeral, here's what's kind of sad is that because she was, well, 94 and a half. So I, I'm saying 95, I'm rounding up. <laughs> She's um, 95. Right. She, you know, the last years were hard. So I think you just <laughs> add two to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we went to her funeral and it was a little bit sad because she had outlived
2: like oh, all her friends.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but I saw a really sweet example of shepherding a friend at the funeral because my aunt was there and her family wasn't able to come over with her. But she had a friend from high school who came to see her at the funeral. And that friend had a friend who drove her Mm -hmm. so that she would be with her at the funeral. Now, so my aunt's friend came and her friend drove her there. So the two people came together, but that friend of my aunt didn't even know The other lady. So my aunt didn't know the other lady. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. I don't know if that's making any sense, but she basically just came to the funeral for her friend to be a person there with her. Wow. And I just thought they drove all the way there an hour and a half, drove all the way back, came to the funeral together, and I just thought that was very sweet because there was nothing in it right, for her going to a funeral with her friend for someone who she didn't really know. And... um. I think that when I think about friendship um, and I think about the way that it's described in here about shepherding, it says, shepherding the flock, n- not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Um, how did God shepherd us when, while we were yet sinners, he died for us? Mm-hmm. And I think about the responsibility of that, of seeing our friends and saying, I have a responsibility to them to be the image of God to them, um, to see what's going on in their life and to reflect who God is to them. And it's really hard because we're sinners, and we have all of these feelings. But I know that um, one of our temptations, I think, is to to obviously think, what can I get out of this friendship? The same that we thought when we got married, that marriage was for us. Right? You know?
0: <laughs> I mean, it is. It's great, but
1: it's not. It, marriage, having another person with you doesn't compare you know, right. it magnifies the problem, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I think if we just have a boyfriend or yeah. you just have a husband or you just have a friend, you think that you're going to be solid. Yeah. Um, but really, I think our relationships, if we can turn the purpose of a relationship around and to say, how would God shepherd us? How would he be a friend to us? How would he love us? Well, he saw us when we were in trouble and he gave his life for us. Yeah. And that's so challenging. Yeah. Um, And so I think taking responsibility for that friendship is one way that I I see myself as being a shepherd. And then the second thing as far as protecting, um, what are some ways that you feel like you've seen a friend in danger or that you've had to protect someone? Do you have any stories or thoughts on how do we protect one another when we see each other in danger? And what does that actually look like in life?
2: yeah I think sometimes it's it's hard to do that um because you don't know what the person's gonna say. You don't know how they're gonna react. You don't know you could see this huge thing they're about to step into and they don't see it. And so you're almost afraid um it's almost like a step of boldness to go out and say, Hey, I see this in your life, and you're about to you're about to crash and I need like, I wanted to lovingly help you. I want to protect, I want to correct.' Um, but because you don't know what they're gonna say, sometimes you're like, "Oh gosh, maybe I just won't say anything, and maybe mm-hmm. they'll like figure it out before it happens, and maybe like the Lord will convict them of their sin, or maybe mm-hmm. somebody else will do it, you know? Yeah. But but what if in that moment nobody else does it, or the Lord is convicting them and they're just not listening, and the Lord is telling you like, "Hey, I put this person in your life for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like I need you to step in." Um, and so because of that, I think I think it's hard to protect people, but I think that it's good. Um, I think that the Lord could really, really use it to grow your friendship and to, to increase like vulnerability and increase, um, you know, humility in you, because you have to be humble when you're going to them. You can't be, Oh, I'm better than you, or I've done this before. So I know like what you're about to get into, but it's no, like you really have to have a humble spirit. And I think like, as I read the word, like over and over again, it talks about being humble and like humbling yourself before the Lord. And, And so I feel like as we go into these friendships and as we're protecting other people and as we're trying to, you know, sharpen each other, it's, it always has to come with, uh, you have to go before the Lord and be humble. And you're praying that he gives you the right words to say because you might not have them. And so I feel like in situations when you don't know what to do and you're saying, I have to say something, but I don't know, Mm -hmm. you need to, I think first you need to spend some serious time with the Lord praying and reading his word and and making sure first that they're not going to, you know, because they could come back and be like, oh, well, I see this huge thing in you. Why aren't you correcting that? Yeah. And you're like, well, let's talk about you first and then we'll <laughs> talk about me. But um, so making sure that you're coming to them with a humble and, you know, vulnerable heart of saying, I love you. I care. I'm caring for you. I, I want the best for you. And I see this in your life. And I need you to know, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, and know that that they, that you love them. Like, know that they know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and know that you're trying to help them for their best and not to puff yourself up, but it's, it's, you're trying to care for them. Mm-hmm. So. That's so good.
1: We'll be back in just
0: a moment, but first let's check in with Elizabeth Harper, our in-house beauty expert for some top trends in your weekly dose of practical advice.
3: Hey everybody. This is Elizabeth with tips and tricks for season five. And I wanted to talk to you about fighting dirty, um, fighting dirty against comparison. Comparison is the thief of creativity. If you're comparing yourself with the person that's next to you, the person on, um, you know, the girl that you see every day that you're like, Oh my gosh, she's so cute. She looks so good in that outfit. I want to look like her. Or, um, if you're comparing your home with someone else's, you're going to end up Trying to fit into their mold instead of being who it is that you are called to be instead of um, looking the way that you were designed and created to look. And even like if you're trying to like mold your home or something like that after somebody else's, it's going to fall flat. People are going to walk in and they're not going to feel you in your home. It's going to feel like somebody else's. Does that make sense? So one thing that I was thinking about is how do I fight comparison? Cause it hits all of us. And I sometimes will get on, you know, um, looking in a magazine or Instagram and looking for inspiration and find myself. Com- it, it like takes a dirty turn. And all of a sudden I go into comparison mode instead of finding inspiration. And so I was like, what do I do? How can I fight this? How can and I want to fight dirty? Cause that's junk. I don't want that anywhere around me. And I thought about it and I was like, Lord, what is a verse that you have for me to remind me of who I am? Because if I'm focused on who I am and who he's created me to be, there is nobody like me. And I don't, I'm not going to want to compare myself with anybody. And the verse that the Lord has always given me, and it always comes back to me. I even have one of the words tattooed on my arm. And that is um, John 15, verse 9. I have loved you as the Father has loved me. Now abide in my love. Every time I read that, I am gripped with, He loves me like God loves Him? What? Do you think that Jesus is out comparing himself to anybody? We already know the answer to that. And he loves us like his heavenly father loves him. We are created in his image. Why are we comparing ourselves with anybody? We can stand on our own as women and daughters of the king. And so that verse, guys, that is my fight. That is my fighting verse. Whenever I feel that sense of comparison coming on, and y'all, I mean, it was so bad. I had to get it like tattooed on my arm. I have the word abide as a reminder that I need to abide in the love of the Lord because he has loved me like his father has loved him. So guys, my charge, my encouragement to y'all today is like, is, I'm sure you've heard it. Find your verse, but this time find your fighting verse. Find that verse that is going to stir you up and going to make you declare who you are in the Lord so that when that comparison comes, you can shout that verse in comparison's face and say, I will not, I will not bow any knee to that because I am a daughter of the King. There is nobody, nobody that compares with me. So guys, I love y'all. Have a great day and be blessed. I think about um,
0: also just the importance of like spending time with your friends so that Mm -hmm. it's not like this stranger coming to them. Right, you know, credibility. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's like they know your heart. um, But I also know that no one, like, majority of people, are probably not going to receive criticism well mm. unless it's asked for, you know? Mm. If they say, what do you think about my boyfriend? That's going to be received better than, hey, your boyfriend. Yeah. Um <laughs> Let's talk about him. Let's talk about him. <laughs> um, and so, like, maybe knowing your window when you should speak, obviously the Holy Spirit, I believe, will guide us and it's our, responsibi- our responsibility to obey him. Um, and I think, I don't know, my personality is just very, like, I tend to be a little more direct. And so I think I can do it in a loving way, but it's just something that maybe the Lord has gifted me Mm -hmm. in. I don't know. But I I also, I think with pointing something out or saying something um, that could be received a little harder is also always offering hope Mm -hmm. and always offering um, to walk with them through whatever. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, Like, sometimes you can say your piece and your friend may not listen to it. Mm -hmm. And that's not up to you to, like, change, you know, whatever the situation is. Um, And you can walk with them through things. And it may be six months later that they come back and say, oh, my word, I should have listened to you. Yeah. You know, so we're not responsible for the outcome but we are responsible for the obedience of the Mm -hmm. holy spirit and i think um, i think we can miss a lot if we don't speak truth to people Mm -hmm. i mean that is like real friendship is one that is vulnerable and real friendship is one that we should be able to speak into our friends lives and they hopefully will at least listen or hear or take into consideration mm-hmm. what we're saying. Um, but I do think it does require like time put in mm-hmm. you know for someone to listen to you yeah. um, and to know your character that you are for them mm-hmm. and you want the best for them.
1: I think about um, when I think about protecting someone in scripture, I'm studying Ruth right now. And I think about the fact that um, when the three basically widows who two of them were barren are headed back to Bethlehem from Moab, they're making a journey back with Naomi and Naomi keeps telling them, basically, you need to go back home because I have nothing for you. And if you go back home, you might find husbands, you might, you can find stuff there, but I don't have anything for you. And Orpha makes a very practical decision and she goes back and Naomi actually is, approves of her for doing that. So Orpha leaves, but Ruth looks at her and basically I think she sees that Naomi's on this path of bitterness, which Naomi confesses, I am bitter now. The Lord has made me very bitter. The Lord is against me. The Lord is angry with me. And we always use this phrase or the the verse that Ruth um, says to her for marriage. But I think that in this context, it's actually for friendship. And she Ruth basically says, to Naomi, I know you think your God is against you. And maybe you want me to go back so that I can be blessed, but I'm going to basically be your friend until I die. Mm. And if I don't keep this commitment to you, if I, if I fail in this commitment to you, may the Lord kill me. Mm. And I just kind of wonder what led up to that. So as they were walking from Moab to Bethlehem, they're halfway there and Orpha turns back and maybe the whole time Naomi's like frustrated and like, what am I going to do with these? Y'all just go back. Can y'all just go back? We don't get all the conversation, (laughs) but I wonder how many times that was said. And finally Ruth I think in this situation gets in her face and says, I'm not giving up on you. Yeah. So you can keep asking me to go back, but pretty much I'm not. I'm with you. I'm with you until I die. I'm with you. If, if God's against me too, I'm with you in this for the long haul. And Mm -hmm. I think she saw that Naomi was in danger of going down a path where she was going to be bitter and alone, not have anybody, Mm -hmm. not have anyone stand with her. And Ruth said, I'm standing with you. And she almost just had to like, say it in such a forceful way that Naomi gave up and realized, okay, I guess Ruth's with me, <laughs> you know? It's like such a belonging.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like
1: beyond, it's like, I think of when you were talking like David and Jonathan
0: and he's like, I'm with you heart and soul. Like mm-hmm. Jonathan says that to David. And, and then, then he thinking, dies. Right. And I'm thinking, whoa, what kind of deep love and care and people are messy, And so Mm. I feel like so many times like we are like tapping out of friendships or we only go so far in friendship because it is messy and it is commitment and it is like it could require sacrifice or a lot from you, especially if your friend, like I think when you're talking about Ruth and Naomi, is not in a great spot. Mm -hmm. That's like not a fun friendship Mm -hmm. in that moment, Mm -hmm. but for her to be like speaking truth and staying with her is like ultimate love to me.
1: Yeah, I think she was I see this as protection. I'm going to mm-hmm. protect you from yourself right now. Maybe she saw that she wasn't who she used to be. And when they go back Ruth works like crazy in the fields and and their life is turned around, right? But I'm I'm just kind of wondering, what did Ruth see Naomi walking into that she said, "I want to protect you from this downhill spiral. Mm-hmm. You're depressed." Mm-hmm. You've lost everything. You feel like God hates you. I'm not leaving you. Yeah. So her protection, the way she protected her, was standing beside her. Um, not necessarily saying, don't be bitter or God doesn't hate you. I mean, right? Would she let her life and her actions speak that. Would
0: it's you? like truth, but yes. also
2: action with the truth. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's a beautiful picture, I think, of the Lord redeeming it. And in the end how much more sweeter it is between Ruth and Naomi because Ruth was willing to stay and put in the work and say, I'm not leaving you. And then the Lord brought all of this incredible stuff to both of them afterwards. Mm -hmm. So it's awesome. And then Ruth works her
1: tail off in the fields for a really long time, uh, trying to earn, make, have them have food and a place to live. So, um, I think that sometimes we have a hard time protecting or even correcting because we're it hurts our feelings, to be honest. Like, for me, when I feel like my feelings are hurt or someone's misunderstood me, that's one of my biggest challenges. I want to withdraw, and so I have to make myself come back out of that shell and mm. like put myself out there again, and that's hard. Um, so that's what I was going to ask you guys. What are some lies that? Either your friends have helped you overcome or you've had to help your friends find victory over. And one of those for me is the lie that, like, this can't get better. This friendship can't get better, so I need to give up now. Um, But I think that if we really do do a Ruth thing for a Naomi, you know, if we choose to just stick it in for the long haul, I think that a lot of times the faithfulness of that friendship can produce good fruit. Mm. I
0: think for me, um, just going when specifically talking about friendships, the question for me is like, what lens am I seeing the situation or the person through? And is it of the Lord or is it my circumstances or my feelings or the lies that I'm believing in my head? And so sometimes um, for me to overcome a lie, I have to be brave and like go to the person and tell them, confess to them the lie that I'm like believing Mm -hmm. and giving them the opportunity to say, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. Or, um, or maybe it says, maybe it brings up issues. I don't know, but usually it's, usually it's, I'm believing a lie about a situation. That's not true. And, um, I have to like fight to remember that my friends are for me and that they want to be around me and they want to spend time with me and, that circumstances do change. Like people get married and their time goes away. People have kids and their time is sucked. You know, Mm. people maybe move and they don't live in the same place as you anymore. And you have to fight even harder because it's, you know, FaceTime or voxing or texting here and there. And, um, having to just trust that the Lord holds it Mm -hmm. and, believe the best about it and to still put time in it um but I think that's one of the hardest lies that I have to usually overcome if it's not in prayer by going to the person and saying I'm believing this about our friendship can Mm -hmm. you tell me the truth Mm -hmm. (laughs) and usually they're just like oh my word I am so sorry Mm -hmm. I would never want you to feel that way
2: Yep. I think as women, it's hard. um, The lie that I think I often believe is um, comparison. So their friendship is better than their friendship that they have with me. So they would much rather hang out with this person or, um, you know, I'm not enough. So they would prefer them or they're hanging out all the time. So they must like them better than they like me. What's wrong with me? And it's like such a slippery slope of going down of you all of a sudden you see one thing on Instagram of they're having dinner together and all of a sudden you're like, oh, they hang out all the time and <laughs> yeah. they never invite me and they must like them more and they must be closer to them. And then, oh, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. What's wrong with me? And all of a sudden you're in this dark hole and it's from one image you saw on Instagram or on Insta story you're flipping through. And so I think in that moment, what I've had to do is is to stop and, and like Jess has said multiple times is try to believe like what is their character? What who are they? Or you know, sometimes, if it gets too bad, I have to go to them. You know, like like she said. And hey, the story I'm telling myself is that you know you don't value our friendship. Mm-hmm. And so for like for me, va- like being valued is one of my biggest things. So if I don't feel valued, I'm instantly shutting down. I'm backing off. And so I might be going to that person and saying, hey, I don't, I don't. The lie I'm telling myself is that, is that you don't value me, or mm-hmm. I'm not enough, or your friendship with these people is is better and you would rather spend time with them than us. Um, And so I think it's just bringing things to light, like Jess said, Um, but not, not sitting in it, not continuing to scroll through Instagram, not continuing to, you know, dig yourself deeper and deeper into that hole. But, you know, because that's what Satan wants you to do. He wants you to believe you're not good enough, that you're living life alone, that, Mm -hmm. you know, nobody really cares about you. All these things that are totally lies that you have to, in that moment, you have to be in the word enough to know that's happening and break it and instantly say like, okay, this is the story I'm telling myself. It may or may not be true, but I need to figure out if it is. So yeah. I'm either going to go to that person or I'm going to, you know, pray and try to, or I'm going to journal and write about, Hey, this is hurting me or their character is this, this doesn't seem like their character or, you know, you you got to find a way to to break that. And so I think not sitting in it, not continuing mm-hmm. to to perpetuate the lie in your head, but like just said, breaking free and bringing it to light.
0: And I think that's the way you fight for your friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and like you have to ask yourself, is it something I'm going to fight for? And I think, um, like you said, just sometimes the fighting is internal and like turning off Instagram or yes. whatever. Taking a break for a week. Yeah. You can do it. I
2: believe in
3: you. And then so
0: <laughs> And then sometimes it is like going to the person, yeah um, but i I think there's a time and place where like you can't keep going to the person, yeah because mm-hmm. sometimes it's you, yeah. I mean that's a hard thing, yeah, but like sometimes it's us, and then that's a deeper thing, yeah. and that is um, where you need to seek prayer yeah. and scripture and the Lord and make different habits mm-hmm. like to help you. Yeah, Yeah,
1: or take action. Like um, when we were sitting, you guys taught a session sort of on this this summer. And when I was sitting through it, there were some things that you guys said that I wanted to talk about on this podcast. And that's why we're here talking about it in this specific way. Um, But a little bit through a different lens, because we were talking about community and discipleship Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but i believe that friendship and community and discipleship should all go together um but there are three things that you said and i think this is this can fight our um feelings that we feel left out but to be locked in to choose to be locked in um, to choose to value that person's time and to communicate expectations know and define those expectations so i think being locked in is is huge because sometimes we spend time with people but we don't really lock in on that one person or have a Mm -hmm. good conversation with one but we don't create intentional time i think sometimes um the second one is valuing that person's time so when you're gonna hang out make it good and and Plan that time. I know Jess and I have had this like ongoing, and you, Megan, this ongoing, when are we going to have lunch? But like, and it keeps changing, but trying to make that happen and um, communicating the expectations, knowing and defining. So, um, Jess, you even sent me last week, you sent this text. I know that it didn't work out last week for us to get together, but I'm going to keep hounding you until we do. And I'm like, (laughs) okay. So, we're basically going to hang out right after this podcast. So, Sometimes it's just persistence, and that there's nothing. There's not a, a vendetta against any one person to not have a friendship with you. I know that when Clayton and I first got married, um, we traveled a lot, and so we wouldn't have. We had weird sleeping hours um, because sometimes we get in at like three in the morning or two in the morning and sleep during the day, and so Clayton would be sleeping during the day, and the UPS man would come or someone would come to visit us and knock on the door and. He and it would wake him up every time, and he just had this idea that the devil was trying to keep him from sleeping. And at Via one UPS. point, I know, and at one point I looked at him, I said, there's not a conspiracy to keep you from sleeping. You're just trying to sleep during the day when people are awake. So let's put notes up. Let's turn phones off. Let's like protect your sleep instead of just assuming that if you lay down, the whole world's going to know you're sleeping, you know? And so I think that sometimes we can feel like that with friendships is that the whole world is against us, or everyone's against yeah. us having friends, and really, it just falls through sometimes. Or life changes, or or maybe we're not making the effort that we need to, and creating clear communication. Mm-hmm. We will meet. We're just saying, yeah, let's hang out. Right. Yeah, let's hang out, and not setting a time.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. which is yeah. so huge. Intentionality is like key, especially mm-hmm. in this day and age where we're all quote unquote busy, mm-hmm. and so. If someone says they want to hang out, I'm like, okay, well, send me dates and times and I'll pick out of it. Or we get out our calendar right then and Mm -hmm. go through it and make it happen Mm -hmm. because good intentions um, have to have a plan behind it Mm -hmm. to actually work and be something fruitful.
2: So for sure, you have to have that intentionality. And I think if there's somebody that you see that you want to be closer with, don't wait for them to make the step. So if, you know, if I see somebody and I'm like, oh, I want our friendship to be better. OK, well, I should go to them and say, hey, let's hang out here. or Hey, let's do this. And instead not sitting at home being like, man, I wish that they would text me and ask me to hang out. Mm-hmm. Well, they would probably don't know. Yeah. So you need like take the first step and, you know, initiate it and, you know, vulnerability. You're you're stepping out and maybe they'll reciprocate or maybe, you know, I have to push it to next week. But you're taking that first step and showing them that you want, you know, a deeper friendship.
0: Yeah. And I think some of it, too, is just like letting them in the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I send text messages or we do a lot of voice texting um, between my closest friends because we're long-winded, I guess, and a text doesn't suffice. But yeah. um, sometimes it's like me asking for prayer and it turns into tears. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes it's me being like, this amazing thing has happened. And I know they're gonna celebrate. So I don't have to um, downplay it and I don't have to say it's not a big deal. I can be like excited Mm -hmm. and know that they're not gonna be jealous or they're not gonna be like, you shouldn't have this good thing. They're gonna be like, oh my word, that's amazing. And show up at my house with like balloons, you know? Like just as much as they show up at my house with a coffee when I'm crying, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, just letting people in the highs and the lows, which vulnerability isn't for everyone. I think we're learning the difference of that. how and, many people right to yeah. be vulnerable right with. yeah and so um, those safe close few mm-hmm. um,
1: are the people I'm talking about when I say like they the know your highs and lows, and yeah. lows. but yeah. yeah. Those are good. Well, speaking of time, Megan has to get to work. And uh, I I respect you. I appreciate you. I do respect you too, but I appreciate (laughs) you you being here and coming in early before you get into work. And um, Jess, thanks so much for working out your schedule and dropping your kids off and being here. Um, And listeners, I hope that, and I really do believe that you've... If you've listened and you've been a part of this podcast, I believe you found some little secrets for your big breakthrough and your friendships. Sometimes it just takes boldness like Ruth to stand up and so, to someone and say, look, I'm putting myself out there, but I want to be your friend and I want to make this happen. Um, and that's taking responsibility, that's shepherding our friendships well. And I think that um, in our world of instant gratification, we think that... We can just maybe pay for a friend, and they're there. Yeah, I don't know. It's it sounds weird, but it seems like friendships should be easier, and they're just not going to be, um, because community is hard. Friendships are hard, but they're worth it. So. Overcoming Monday listeners, I hope that this episode on women prevailing in friendships has given you a little secret for your big breakthrough. I know that friendships are hard, but I do believe that if we work hard and take responsibility and shepherd each other well, we can um, overcome in our friendships. So I can't wait for you to hear our next episode, and I hope that you have a great day.